Hi there. I am Fried Michelson, and you are listening to the Defensive BGA podcast, presented to you directly from Estonia or wherever I'm traveling at the moment. We are talking about everything jujitsu, and sometimes I will also say a joke. Welcome. So I was contacted by Stephen Roy uh, through Messenger, and he asked me a question that how do I nourish my culture in our club, our academy? So it was an interesting question, and um, I couldn't write him an answer because it's it's a you know like an idea answer. So we decided to do a Skype call, and of course we ended up talking about also about everything else, about a little bit about the teaching methods and. But that question was was um, the starting point, so to speak, and that took our conversation to to different places. It was a almost two hour talk. I really enjoyed it. Uh, he was able to ask me, you know, maybe even same things, but different way. And also, I think we touched also some other topics that if people have listened to this, uh, my other talks, they will also find some new information in this. So I hope you enjoy our our short talk. You, you know they have questions, you know? Because you, I think you have been also in seminars when somebody, you know, somebody famous, whatever, and then they ask, do you have any questions? And then everybody's silent, you know? Yeah. And uh, you go like, and as a coach, maybe sometimes you want your student to ask questions. You go like, what the fuck, guys? This is your chance, you know that. So, but you know that's the awkwardness in a pub. It's a public, uh, uh, public display. You know, you're asking questions. You can look stupid. People can laugh at you. Maybe you don't have a good question. But, and uh, but I, I'm what I found out, and I guess what what I know about myself is, uh, I also have questions, uh, but I don't ask them from from those guys, I, and I have no clue why. And I have like, a, you know, you can say thousand questions, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of saying that people do. Uh, so and I also don't ask. I don't ask in famous people seminars. I don't ask my questions because I don't think they know. First of all, it's a very cocky way of saying something. But uh, and uh, also, I think that when um, when let's say in a class, uh, you know that they have a thousand questions yeah, that you know that they do. It's not like they don't have questions and they're like empty inside and they have questions and maybe they don't want to ask. And I think that maybe they don't want to ask part is a necessary one because because if you have a thousand questions, then the the problem is always a choice. Mm -hmm. Like what what to ask. Yeah. And I I guess, yeah, if you have that topic, you know, you have maybe half card, whatever you do, like guard, then you narrow it down. But but maybe they have like a different questions that are are not so easy to ask and even sometimes uh, what what I what I what I come what I, what I want to come back to is maybe uh, asking like guys do you have questions uh, maybe it should be like a rhetorical question you know and maybe there should be like a opportunity that if you explain something and you have a rule that anytime guys you have questions raise your arm and then we address them you know and but you don't put them uh, I'm, when I'm talking about like, you know, towards you, I'm talking about also about me, then maybe we shouldn't put them on a spot like that, you know, because if you put them on a spot, then it's like, huh, you know, uh, but because they're listening to you 
and yeah. trying to absorb. And then you put them other questions like, uh, I, you know, maybe they haven't thought about it. You know that. Uh, so because they're they won't like their breath. Yeah, they're like uh, maybe you you maybe you give them twenty minutes and then they come up with one. You know that okay, this way how do I ask? So maybe just putting them on a spot. Now question. You know that's not good, but let's say if you have a question, you can always raise your arm. You know, and then we address that question and you have that programmed into the section you're gonna teach technique that you have you know a couple of questions you can ask if they're relevant to the topic, and uh, so that way you don't put anybody on a spot. There's mm -hmm. no pressure. I know you can have those questions that, you know, if you say something, let's say you have, let's say half card, you name three rules. Yeah. Like boom, boom, boom. You have to guys know this. Yeah. This doesn't work. Try this, boom, try this. And you go back to first and you can cycle whatever, you know, so you can do like this. So what was the second thing I said? And somebody answers that, you know, what was the first thing you have to do? Yeah. Or what was the third thing you came to? And then you go back to the first. Yeah. But so, you have given them answers and then when you ask you maybe reinforce because you gave them the answer and then when you ask a question uh, there's a you know first of all when you do it the first day maybe people don't catch but catch those sentences you, of yours but then they know already using that method so they're more alert you know and you're giving them also the answer to the question you're going to ask you know because you want them to remember those three things Yeah. Okay. Uh, I dropped yeah. that back. An hour back. Yeah, I don't know. So, so, uh, so that would be the you know different way of asking questions, because you set them up, uh, and you set them up for also for success, not for failure. Because if you just ask to have question, you maybe set them up for failure because like uh, you know I, I don't know, and also against the long day work, you know that's pr probable to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this way, first of all, raise your arm if you have a question, that would be nice. Or uh, name three things that you can pick on them full class, you know? So you go like, uh, uh, you can ask that in, maybe in, you have 20 minute section, you can ask them four or five times, you know, like, what was the second one, yeah? They tell you that. So, and uh, so that could be, that would work, you know? So, and uh, sometimes maybe they are, uh, asking them questions is not actually necessary because you can put them in a situation where the questions are risen and that they and the situation is solvable uh, for a person that's let's say in top whatever progressive resistance and stuff that they find their answers because they have questions and i guess our job is to create environment where the there's a problems but also the problem is so, uh, like a solvable yeah. yeah, and and then and maybe then like okay guys, you have like kind of progressive resistance drills. That uh, what you maybe you ask, what did you find the hardest? You know, so you can guide them with question because if you just ask, do you have questions? It's like like a thousand questions. Yeah, but if you go like that, like if you guide them, what was the hardest? What did you have the most success with? Uh, you know. Uh, so having well, leading questions to yeah. the answers that we're looking for. Yeah, and it, sometimes it's we don't know the answer because you can go like, well, what you had the hardest time? And you don't know what was the answer, you know? And then they're going to narrow it down. Okay, I had the hardest time of balance, this or this. They name you something, you know? So mm -hmm. this way, I think uh, uh, they kind of also, in that sense, giving you an answer, but also there's a question involved because 
when you say what was the problem, I had a problem with balance. So that's your question. Their question is about the balance. So you can actually address that as a answer to the problem. Okay, balance, show me, you know? And then they're showing their like, a, you know, question. Okay, I had trouble here. So it's easier to, you know, verbalize uh, for them what you mean. And you kind of guide them towards the questions that you know they have. So, Makes so sense. yeah, so that would be like, how, how do, would I ask? And, and it's always, you know, you never know uh, how do you talk to people in that sense. You can go very blunt because they can take it, you know, questions. No. Okay. But uh, then, and you can always, not you, but you know, you can always say, but, oh, that's their problem if they don't ask. So, and uh, I've been, what, what, I said, I've said that a few times. Yeah. So, but the, the issue is also that what is, you know, our job or how you, uh, it's fun to uh, like talk about it as Estonian. So, how do you communicate with people? Because maybe meeting them halfway, you know, making them feel uh, not stupid, maybe may, making them feel that uh, you can relate to them or, you know, narrow it down for them, like because you see their struggle. Yeah. And okay, what about this? You know, what you had the hardest time with that. So, and uh, I feel actually people are appreciating it. It's not going to be like you're going to cushion them from life, you know, so to speak, that you're going to give them answers uh, for nothing, but you're still going to narrow it down and kind of have a conversation with that because you are the teacher in that moment and you, they clearly have an issue. So you can go, okay, it's your fault or it's like, okay, I have to meet you and kind of let's figure it out with, with the guiding questions. And I think that's where we're finding, uh, like the culture in our school. I, I, and I've always said this to everybody in our, or, you know, in our school was, I never want to be the guy that's put on a, on a, on a pedestal. Like, I don't want to be, yes, it's, it's, I'm the one that pays the bill in the school. Like I have to make sure that lights are paid and I'm here to teach and help out with your journey. But I don't want them to put me on this thing saying like, you're the Yoda of the school and you're the grand Pumba or whatever they call these things. But at the same time, it's almost like they're feeling that they need that to feel secure that they have somebody there that's always going to know more. And I just don't like that. So how is the culture in your school? Like we want, I want them to be very much more helping each other, like a buddy system of, Hey, I've been working on this. This seems to work very, very well. And I noticed that you're having issues with that when we're rolling. So, you know, take this tidbit or that tidbit and I'll help you out instead of, well, um, I can't tell you anything because, you know, Steph, Steph didn't say it. Uh, we didn't teach it or we don't know. Like, so <laughs> I want them to explore. Yeah. In, so, uh, you know, uh, in my school, I, I, I have, uh, I'm treated like a God. Uh, so that's the joke. Yeah. So. I know. I know it's a joke. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so that's why I usually prefer, I, I, I prefer preet or a God. I don't go by, a, you know, professor and stuff, but I guess, you know, that people, uh, people in power can do a couple of things. They can abuse their power or they can, uh, they can seem powerless. So others around them could feel comfortable and, you know, cl close to them, understand. So that you, some, it's very often, you know, that in the jiu-jitsu, a lot of times that I usually, you know, despise or reject and resist is when people, like you said, are uh, people are putting themselves in a pedestal and, uh, you know, all the bowing, all the titles and everything else. 
And, uh, uh, you know, there's a, I'm not a religious person, but, you know, there's a, there's a saying of, uh, if you meet, I think if you meet the Buddha on a road, it wasn't the Buddha, because how would you know, you know? But it, because if he tells you he's a Buddha, that he's not, you know, then he's already a fake, you know? <laughs> Buddha would never tell you he's a Buddha, you know? It's because uh, uh, he would just be and, he, you know, and guide and everything else, but he's not going to put himself above you. And uh, so uh, in that sense, I'm trying also, uh, I guess, um, to to be more as a guide, you know, people put you in the pedestal anyway. So, you know, I have a history of, you know, in that sense, I was the first kind of in Estonia, we brought it up, you know, there's that kind of respect. And I think the way I am kind of like uh, some serious and, you know, about stuff. And um, so I have certain reputation, uh, but but I, I would like to think uh, I'm approachable. So it kind of makes me even giggle. But a that's bit. what I feel that if they don't feel that they're like, they're like, oh, I just, I don't yeah, want to like feel like I'm asking stupid things or I'm not part yeah, of the team. I think it's also, uh, you know, if uh, I've been told that, uh, that, you know, one of the things people enjoy what I do is like, I make fun of myself, you know, I, I make light on myself and I'm, I let other people make fun of myself. So that takes the seriousness away. So if somebody's smart and, you know, some people who have, uh, uh, talked about it to me to explain me to me, you know. So I was like, yeah, 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 we know you're serious, but you 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 also take it lightly because you let people make fun of you. But but that what I I feel like that's what uh, I would say like strong people do. That you don't take it personally, you take it lightly, and you kind of really under, there's clearly a, like you know when it's an insult or when it's a joke, you know you have to. Yeah. And when they're then the, when their friends are close, then it becomes a very thin line of that, and so I don't mind that also. But and I think the environment also is is uh, encouraging because I I I hate to be, uh, let's say the source. I have my strong opinions about stuff when I'm really right. But also there's a, because I will give them direction and this is what we have to do, but there's also exploring involved. So because the end answer is very open, open in that sense. And we, you know, we have a lot of drills. We have a lot of feedbacks during the drills. We talk to each other a lot. And uh, that's, that sets up also like everybody's teaching everybody. And uh, if somebody has a harder question that maybe I answer, maybe I can, and sometimes I could, can't, but uh, it's like it's not like I'm teaching everything. Mm. People are teaching each other also, and uh, getting also bolder by teaching because you know they can give a good feedback, they can figure stuff out, and explore themselves. So I find this also sets uh, like a good environment uh, for things. And uh, and then I know in certain information part, I'm very you know kind of strict that this is the way we have to do it, and then you. If you do it correctly, then you earn your freedom. That's how I always said that, that because sort of things I know myself, how, you know, because I'm in that specialist of the information I am after. So I have a more maybe stricter rules there because I'm still want to be right. And then they have to earn the freedom. Uh, but so I, where, did, I, where did they earn their freedom? Like, how would they earn their freedom in regards to, and I know, this is super controversial when we talked about ranks, because even la last night I was saying, imagine if we were all blind, we wouldn't care about who had a wet belt. We would just listen to the facts and rely on them. Yeah. Right? 
So freedom. Uh, but so uh, how do freedom. how do they earn their freedom? By uh, by doing, let's say, uh, if you uh, take a turtle, yeah. So let's say knees wide, elbows in a right position, uh, blah blah blah, and you can survive. And I see you do things right, yeah. yeah. And then I go like, okay, now you you have learned what I what I want to teach you, and then go explore. Then open up, try stuff, try this, try that, and I can be a guide then after. So there's, a, I feel there's sort of minimal information I get, I have to get through their skull mm -hmm. that uh, we know that that is foundation. And if they fuck up, they can go back to that shell, uh, figure stuff out, do it again. So I'm more, that's why I like the zero points. And, and uh, then, yes, we can talk about transitions and then how to move and stuff. But it's all more open because if the transition is uh, messed up, then go back to the shell, you know, then try again. So I'm definitely interested later to talk about more transitions and how to be safe in them because if that's the harder skill. But you need to have a context for that uh, because you you want to be there. Because if you're, if you're overwhelmed by transition because the open-endedness of the situation, because it can go anywhere. So it's better to sometimes to shell up, you know, and then just try simple answers. But then later, if it's super boring, then the whole goal is to be in transition uh, because that's the also for opponent. That's the hardest thing to defend because it's always transitioning. And if somebody shells up and stops, you know, then it's about how do you stop? Some people we I, I consider we have a good stopping positions like shells. Some people don't. They just go like, you know, like this. You get cross-face underhook and then everything stops. But then it's like, say, top guy's advantage because they have the grips. But you can also have like, a, you know, kind of those shell ideas that when you stop, you can stop in a good trench that they don't get something that will also get, you get punished by. So mm. um, so that's and then then I would say after certain thing, let's say we took the hawking, you have to figure out the bottom arm, the top arm not being flat. And then go free, then explore. Because if you mess up, go back to Hawking, protect everything, go again. And uh, then and where would you? And where would you start? So if I would have, because this is fairly new to me as well. And I'll be honest, I supported everything. I bought, you know, grilled chicken. I, I bought, uh, you know, baby bridge, running man, uh, turtle. So I got it all. The thing is, where do we start? What What would be if I had Prit in my school? And I would be a white belt. And I say, Pritt, what basic of all these variations that you have, where should I start? And how long should I keep with it? You're also on my site, yeah? Yes, yes. So uh, considering that, uh, what we do there, where would you start? Honestly, I would start probably in a turtle position. That's a good answer because, but that's why. Because uh, then I feel safer of all the other threats and I have the opportunities to transition to. Yeah, it's, move. you can, you can argue for both, let's say to Hawking or uh, turtle, but let's say that's why, uh, that's why I love. And I think the homeworks are necessary in a, in a, in a site, on a site that they allow people to narrow it down to something. Otherwise like technique site. So it's like thousand techniques. How do I start? So now we have a turtle homework. Okay. Everything goes to turtle and it narrows down that helps you to start. I mean that way also that if you come to the site, how do I start? Okay. Jump into homeworks. So later I think the homeworks will be also branched out to submissions. And it's right now because the site is young and we're building the, you know, most common things up and mm -hmm. then we branch out to certain things and 
uh, I guess the information goes on. Uh, uh, but Cause, everybody cause I come bring students in the same journey. Yeah, but every so everybody that comes all work, uh, and I have more people to work against. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, if I branch out, then then we're here already doing triangles. But then if somebody joins, I still want them to come up with knowing those postures and then branch out. But let's say if I if I say hawking was a good thing because that is the closest uh, that you have back towards the mat before things go bad, you know, really bad because you're flat. So hawking makes you really comfortable being on almost on your back and you're very hard to flatten out, very hard to get underhook. You have very uh, top person has a very hard time to make you stuck. Yeah, to, to get attachment. So and this is very important because as a, as a as a beginner, you will get guard passed and you will get put on your back. So how do you like not fuck totally everything up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you can go deeper, you know, under cross face and then postures and then get back to the more neutral and then to get out, you know. And you can argue that turtle is a good place to start because turtle uh, turtle is, let's say, it's more symmetrical and it's built uh, it's built in a way that it's easier to grasp in a first hour. Mechanically, for somebody yeah. to understand. Uh, but then it requires of also transitioning from on your butt to the turtle, you know, because if somebody's passing your guard, you know, you're if you're almost getting past, then it's a hawking running man, the turtle. So you're missing those two. Mm. So, but overall, I think it doesn't matter because I can teach them to you relatively easy these days, at at uh, in a week or whatever, and you have an idea and why you lose, why you win. So even today, I would choose maybe hawking even, because as a, as a as a white belt uh, as a beginner, people are put there, you know, against their will after passes and stuff. Uh, and it's good to start making them really comfortable being there so they don't mind being on their back, so to speak. And then they're working up, let's say, the turtle, you know, and I would maybe do it like a hawking turtle and then running man. Because uh, if I give them hawking and turtle, then they struggle with a transition to between them and they do other mistakes. And uh, after and I probably success also. And then they have questions. But how do I do it better? Because sometimes I lose, sometimes I win. So they create context for question and then I can insert the running man and it's like, oh, OK, so I let them suffer before giving them full answers, you know, uh, and then so I would teach them like a one, three, two and four, you know, like skipping something uh, because I'm always amazed. I forget that all the time that that people can figure out stuff on their own if you give them opportunity. And um, I always I'm always amazed when I catch myself like, OK, maybe I don't talk about this detail. I let them just drill and they figure it out. And I was like, but if I would have spent time explaining that, I would have been I would have been looking smart because I know that detail and I could talk about that detail a couple of minutes and everybody would go like, wow, you know, what a detail or I let you figure it out. And if I create the context of that. Uh, and you can figure it out, then I think it's better. I, I don't think I shine as much, but uh, it's not my point. When we talk about, you know, the coach could be in a backstage more, you know, yeah. not always yeah. the not always the shining star. So I think the, what I enjoy, what I to come back to your question, what I jo uh, enjoy a lot is sometimes when I just can have a stopwatch, and I just say switch, switch, switch. 
because um, sometimes we do those drills and I, let's say I still have to do something, but I enjoy the, the classes more uh, when I interact less because then I'm not the star. And everybody, know, you know, everybody knows I have the power, yeah? But to give that away, to make them stars, I think uh, without even talking about it, people feel empowered. And in this way, I also create, that would be the ideal, yeah? Uh, in this way, I create also environment of explorers because if I do a warm-up, uh, 10, you know, 8 to 10 minutes, I can do it without, you know, lifting my butt off the mat, yeah? Uh, I can do a slow rolls, I can do some exercises without even showing because people know. Then sometimes it's a, like a teaching technique, but then sometimes, you know, I can make it look very complicated or usually I want to teach as less as possible. I really, mm. I'm, I'm teaching like, like uh, this is very correlates with other stuff, you know, if somebody lifts weights, then you wanna in every session you wanna lift as less as possible to have adaptation. Yeah. So because if you do more, you don't have bigger adaptation. Your body just body has an inert, you know, and yeah. it just takes time. So your goal is to have that minimum effort, and then you don't burn out. Then you you know you can do it for a long longevity, so to speak. Yeah. It's always hard and stuff, but and, and but that's why I was trying to figure out what is the stimulus versus the retention when we're teaching. Yeah, Which, you have to do it. I know how just, everybody they think like the more we teach, like the more no, stimulus no, no. we give them, the more they'll they'll retain, but they don't because they ask somebody what they did on Monday, they go, I have no clue, yeah. I don't remember. So this is this is totally backwards. And uh, lifting weights is actually a good example, I think. Do as less as possible to have that adaptation, and every class do a little bit, yeah. So you know that there's a really stupid saying that one uh, percent every time better, mm -hmm. you know. But that's really, I think, I'm not the math guy, but if you do every day 1%, that's kind of, during the year, it's a lot, yeah? So I would say more accurate would be like maybe, uh, you know, every day you, when you train, you get like maybe 0.0001% better, let's say. And then longevity-wise, it's not otherwise two years to 500% up, you know, that's kind of also crazy. So I think it sounds good, 1%, you know, but... Well, I think it should be less, you know, that because it would have to be accurate because otherwise we don't want to have misleading stuff because 1% every time, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a lot, you know, that it's not 100% reaches quite fast, but it, for everyday people, it takes 10 years, you know, so, yeah. so it's not that. Anyway, so that's me being annoying again and picking on things. Uh, so, uh, and if you, if you teach a class when you, when you teach as I'm actually my environment has forced me to adapt because I'm I'm actually in my inside. I think every coach is in that sense. Um, I, that's not what I feel. Uh, I'm I'm the coach that want to give I want to give you the world. I want to give you the world, you know, uh, and I want to help you and I want to just do everything for, so you would have understanding of jiu-jitsu. But then that's the quickest way to ruin them, you know. If because they don't, they cannot get like uh, your 20 years experience in a one day. I wish there was 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 a way that I can give you everything. I would give you my heart, you know, but I can't. And that would ruin people because they also they don't learn to deserve it. I well, and that's the, and that's what the, the last question I had it was like, should we be helping people to understand how to learn and teach themselves using notes and statistics? Uh, how would you, like, if I would have somebody brand new, and I always tell people, hey, I have a notebook on the side. Like, these, they know it. I have a notebook. And I'm like, okay, today, you know, I, I was I was able to escape three arm bars. 
and I, I just put it down. And I'm like, it was the same three ways, right? And I just so, put those in there so I can remember myself of like details of what I did right, what I did wrong, where I need to improve, where my stats are starting to be. But I find that normal people, the nine to five recreational people, like I left my job four years ago and I'm jobless. And I tell that so, to people like, oh, what's your job? I'm like, I do jujitsu. That I, I'm jobless. So, so I have a lot less. of- So teach us less. Yeah, teach. Uh, my answer is actually, it's counterintuitive because- uh, you know, sometimes uh, if you have a lot of teaching and then you're going to like you want to teach everything and then you want to go super detailed, you know, because that you see the value, but they don't appreciate those details. They don't give a fuck about them. Yeah, uh, because they can hear that, but they can appreciate what it actually means, what you know. So mm -hmm. and it's it's a very like a very, I think, very sexy for the ears to hear, hear that. Oh, new detail, but they can't pull it off. They, they, they have nothing to do with that detail because they're not there yet. So it's impossible. So that's why also when I do, well, I have done those this myself. Then, then if you, if I teach, if I taught this way, then I become a rock star. Uh, then I know when they don't. And that's a, that's a definite, like, that's a, like, I'm, I'm shining. I know they have no clue. They can't pull it off. And now they have excuses. Jitsu is so hard. Jitsu is so detailed because those details are doing two things. They're sexy to hear. Wow. Jitsu is so deep, but it also makes that looks it super complicated. Yeah. And they know inside that they have no way to grasp that because they're, they, they don't uh, train that much. You know, they don't have open mats and blah, blah, blah. So it's, I think it's, um, sometimes I think it's good to show the depth of Jiu-Jitsu, but I, I found in my case, it's like, it takes the shine away from them that what, what they're supposed to do, because we have to make them feel that they can do it. Yeah. And, uh, so the issue is, so I really do think that I, uh, because I want to do this, I've done those classes. Like before we got that new gym, we had the two hour classes and when I taught usually one hour and 15, one hour and 20, and then we rolled. And then the new new gym forced us to teach in one hour. And then we had a, you know one hour or 30 minutes of sparring, but we have to teach four hours. Uh, sorry, one hour. So, so then everything had to fit in one hour. I couldn't teach more. So that forced me to peel everything off and to just uh, arrive in the conclusion, I, I know I had to arrive that teaches less as possible so people who train uh, can train more you know they just get better at this and people who skip classes won't skip as much because if they if they usually you know i know it happened to you also i guess if you're a coach that you teach an awesome class and you want to continue on other class you know and then half of people are new and you go like yeah. fuck i can't, just cannot continue from the last point i ended up with so I find if you teach less, then you actually can because uh, the people that maybe skip the one class, it's super easy to catch up. And yeah. then the trick is like, but how do you create interest uh, in those people that participate classes? If you just teach the same thing with uh, uh, very small details, then they get bored. Yeah. But the trick, but the trick is, uh, it, the trick is, the secret is hidden in the details. Yeah. So. Uh, or whatever you guys say in American language. So, hey man, so, I'm Canadian, so I understand uh, what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, but it's still American language, I guess. So, 
So English in that way. Uh, so, but the trick is that uh, our class, most of the class, is actually drilling. Uh, I don't like that those three techniques and stuff, or actually people, let's say, 10 minutes uh, warm up, 20 minutes, 15 minutes technique section. I teach as little as I can. Uh, I show something that they can they can get in those times that they can do it without resistance. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, then half an hour, we first of all, we drill both two and a half minutes probably. Then we do it again, both two and a half, but then with the feedback between the rounds. Then probably we, we have a fixing mistake part, three to five minutes. Uh, then, then we have 15 minutes left to the class. And then we can more drill again twice with the feedback. Two, two, two and a half and two and a half. Yeah, both can get two rounds. For class so if you teach if you taught as little as possible then second class you add a small detail and you drill again half an hour and those people that are participating classes they get better by drilling and it's always interesting uh, everybody can take uh, 20 minutes of you know static or not static or even trying stuff out with a yeah. movement but it's you know coordinated and it's not resistant so to speak or it's very specific that it's like you know learning the poem and uh, everybody can add this and you add small details, but then you drill again. Uh, and then the sparring is always with rules that uh, if you try the new in a new section, new stuff, that in that area, the resistance drops to 60, 70 percent. So the so if I have to, let's say, do the half guard, let's say simple half guard pass, then if I get to half guard, then the bottom person drops the resistance to 60, 70 of the, and then I can, so it's interesting for me. Yeah, it depends on my level. If I'm good, they can pull it up, you know? Uh, and uh, then I can do the half card stuff uh, in a live rolling, but with a less resisting opponent. And after I do my half card pass, full sparring resistance kicks in again. So okay. so trying new things is, is um, praised, you know? And uh, and also I also say that uh, if it's a half card thing that bottom guy play more half card so the top guy can get a good half card position to do the pass. So your job is to play more half card, not De La Riva or whatever else, you know, that jump to half card, play it, you know, and maybe give them away more underhooks that you maybe play more overhook uh, half cards and then you mess up, you know, they get underhook cross yeah. face and then they pass. So. And I, this way also it pushes people out of their comfort zone because now they have to play half guard. They have no clue maybe, you know, that they're not a half guard player. So it forces them to do a new way of rolling, not in an old way like you. Yeah. yeah, because you you know that they are just going to roll old ways. And but There's the things that they're good at. Yeah, but this way of, because I want I want them to, so one person has to be a good partner by playing more half guard. And the other person can train then, you know, it's still it's hard to get maybe the position, but you know half guard is more likely to happen. And if I say even the let's say the bottom person play more overhook half guard, then I create the option for underhook to happen more, and top guy can get a certain grip and start to pass. So I create that environment that those are the rules of sparring that everything else is free, but more than average play overhook half guard. Yeah, and then uh, if it happens a couple of times in a row, it's already good. You know, more than average is. Uh, and uh, so they can still pull it off. And if they have success with that pass already a couple of times, then other person can raise resistance and make it, you know, better. And they cannot, let's say, I would not recommend it to kill it 
in those things, give them success, just make it harder and learn to also understand what happens if they pull it off. So what is reaction, your reaction to that? Mm-hmm. So the so then let's say at least the sparring is half an hour to the hour, but let's say the half an hour. So the hour chunk is only drilling, you know? And then if you are just participating all the classes, you get really good really fast, you know, let's say. Uh, and the technique section is maybe 20 minutes. And so this is the format I use. And then then for me, maybe it's a small thing. I do this, you know, boom, boom. And then you practice a very small detail that I feel that's, uh, that's you know, valuable enough in a sparring to, you know, to, to add. And then the details are less. I don't have to talk so much. Maybe they try it. Everybody tries. Bring it in a little bit more here, guys. Feel it, you know, boom, and go back. Any you know, any questions like uh, you know what you think is the hardest there, uh, and then maybe I explain one 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 thing more if I ask them what is the hardest to understand right at the moment. So I, then I say this is the best way I can exp- explain maybe this at the moment, and then they, you know they spar and drill. So and then I have a mostly stopwatch. So only 20 minutes during that one and a half of class, I only have to teach, and everything else is stopwatch. Because feedback is they talk to each other, you know, and maybe during the fixing mistake part, the three to five minutes it happens. And then I tell them, fix something big. You Now you drilled, you know, already twice, both of you. And now you know what, what is the problem. So fix something that gives you the biggest uh, bang of the buck, you know. Mm-hmm. So something big. And uh, you cannot fix everything. So they address something and then we drill again. And every time you drill, you know, that's the point of that. If you participate the classes, every try, every drill, you can p- fix something big. And then then they end actually end up doing stuff you teach because they drill so much because they have time to absorb and you teach less techniques because it's it's not about knowing, it's about doing, you know? So, yeah. so which is not, to, we're, we're yeah. not in a, uh, and I did this for a long time. You know, I started in, in traditional jujitsu, like, you know, the Japanese style of jujitsu. Um, but it's all set based on not facts, of, like just traditional stuff. So it doesn't really evolve. Right. Um, can I ask you this? Uh, and I know this is a controversy topic because when you're a black belt, it's very different. How do you evaluate from somebody going from a white to blue to blue to purple to, you know, purple to brown? in a format that is all performance based though that you were having people that are starting as late as in their 50s uh that is uh, you know i just had with somebody the belt question oh i had a mental models with uh, steve uh i had uh, oh steve oh, uh, from vancouver yeah uh, with the mental models i had a podcast with him and also then we touched that that uh belt is belts are good and belts are awful because it's not a perfect system and yeah. it is a perfect uh, performance based and uh, then the question was what about you know the older people that come in but then it has to be different than maybe maybe let's say there is also not performance based jujitsu and then we give belts you know we have to figure out what based on what then you know of their it's weird because then it has to be like accumulation of techniques and then it's weird uh because it does uh, make it very weird because they don't learn the same way their attributes of their you know their body doesn't work the same way and then you have that controversial talk of how come that person's the same ranking as this person but but then but let's say but but maybe we should not be maybe we just uh, just should be honest and saying maybe there's a sweet spot 
And uh, so let's say if you want to run a marathon, so marathon is the goal. So if you're not in shape, overweight, you will die. Yeah. And uh, marathon is not for everybody. It can be for everybody if you're a certain age, if you're certain shape. And you, you're never going to say like, oh, marathon is discriminating me, you know. And let's say if you want to do a handstand, yeah. Uh, if you are 20 kilos overweight, uh, you shouldn't do handstands. But 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 yeah, the shoulders. So so but that's the reality. You you can you can be people. I feel people these days just with all the cancel culture and everybody's entitled to everything right away without the work. So people feel but but I want to do it, you know, but then you risk also getting injured. So but if somebody comes in, let's say they're close, very close, very overweight, they can't move. There is a limit that you have to go like, yeah, but you have to. You know, you have to get in shape before you do jiu-jitsu, you know, that if you want to run a marathon, it's not like, no, start, mar no, no, just walk it day a little bit, you know, and get to good shape. And, and then you run a marathon. I, I don't think it's a one-on-one -on -one comparison. And then, you know, there's a, I also don't like that, you know, if you, if you, everybody that comes jiu-jitsu has to be in shape before coming jiu-jitsu, that's also kind of bad. But, mm -hmm. but what I'm saying is maybe there's a sweet spot of age of uh, uh, certain attributes that uh, when you can do it and it's honest to say that this is the sweet spot and this is when it's everybody and after that uh, it's not and uh, I don't think it's bad because it's honest because it is a performance art uh, and also we you know we treat kids differently we have gazillion belts uh, yeah. and then maybe we should have also certain you know, elderly belts. If somebody come in and they get belts for, I don't know what, what, what it is, but they can get belts for, for elderly because they don't spar. You know that uh, uh, those, I think, I, I, I haven't checked the facts, but I think people are saying that Regan Machado is giving up those celebrity belts for people, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, people not sparring, but they get belts. So I actually, I'm not against celebrities getting belts. Yeah, because they cannot put hours in. Maybe they get injured, their careers in at risk, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, whatever, you know. But then I don't mind if there's a like a way to measure them. But then it has to be also named differently that this is measuring uh, for people that don't spar, you know, but they just do lock flows. You know, we, we have to set the lock flows. We have to beat the judges. We have to figure out and argue and we set like a hundred lock flows and we measure your performance in the, those pre-thought lock flows. Yeah. And then, then you were uh, 10, you know, eight, 10, we measure you. Yeah. And, and I don't mind this because it, because then it becomes uh, something subjective also, you know, and then they get belts according to that, whatever, you know, and why not? You know, so I'm not against that. Uh, those people that cannot train uh, get, but then it has to be named differently. That we, it ha it cannot be in the same stage as people yeah. who struggle and people who just get belts like this. There has to be a difference. It's not like our belts are better. It just it's different. And if you have any reasons to get those belts uh, because you don't want to get injured, you, you just love jujitsu. Why not? Uh, but they're different. And then this way we build value for the performance. And if you really want the, you know, I don't know, I'm not saying the best belt, 
but you have to do the work and come spar and you earn that belt, you know? So, and also, but that's certain not, el- and, and for us, that that's not the issue. You know, I got a 66 year old woman that's uh, been doing jiu-jitsu for eight years now. And, and she's, a, she's a blue belt, but I just can't find that spot where I would see her as a purple belt. But also I'm saying this, that maybe you, maybe they can't. I'm, I'm, I have those situations actually in my gym that, that I think that, uh, some elderly men, they will never get a, like, I don't know, maybe after 10 years, whatever, but maybe they never get a purple belt. Like that's, that's it. That's, that's, that's the goal because they, they don't spend time uh, in that so much, let's say. And their athletic ability doesn't allow them to roll in that level anymore. And then you, you can argue that, but they know techniques, but then, but then I don't mind that, but then it becomes like, but, but then a hundred techniques, no one is a purple belt. 400 is a blood, you know, it has to be performance because I can beat your ass with a low kick in a, like a Muay Thai fight, just having a very awesome low kick. I can win. I don't have to have like a gazillion punches. I can mm-hmm. do like a good open guard retention, have a one sweep. It's not about accumulation of techniques. So, but I, I actually think it's very honest that uh, they would know that that's it, you know. But uh, it depends. It's when I say it like that, it sounds super sad, you know, that they never reached the black belt. I, w- I wish they would have. They they could reach their black belt, but maybe people don't have to. And I think the legend that also people before me said. Oh, jiu-jitsu can be for everybody, and I really believe people can reach uh, those black belts. No, no, no. I, I don't think it's honest. I think the possibility that you don't reach it has to be there. And that gives the process also a meaning. And I think if you're 66, and if you're a blue belt, it's fucking awesome. Uh, and she's, she's, she's giving 20-year-old boys some hard times, too. Yeah, but then I they turn up yeah. the machine... And because they're stronger physically, yeah. and then they and then they start plowing, and then you're like, "Hey, man, you're, you're hurting my grandma here. Like, don't do yeah. that." Yeah. So I think, but 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 if the black belt is not the goal, you know, it's the if the challenging the Mount Everest is not the goal. You just just going to the first camp is already like a big thing, you know. And uh, nobody looks you bad. Oh, you haven't reached Everest. No, guys, a lot a lot of people. Most of us never reach that top, you know. Some of it die and everything. So, but I think if the if the premise is oh you will get it, and it's a sure thing because people you know people sometimes do that because they want to market the BJJ to people that they wanna they wanna lie to them about that it's worth taking the trip. Oh you will get a black belt. Don't worry about it. You will get the black belt. No no no. It's actually that enjoy and and I don't think it's very wise to sell them that dream that you will get it. You just come wherever you come, and I will. We will make you reach your potential in whatever sweet spot you are. Mm. And I don't mind that 66-year woman, that that her level is like you know blue belt, and that's maybe maybe extra extra somewhere like a four stripe. I don't know a blue belt. Per, yeah, she's a so, four stripe. Yeah. Yeah. So so it doesn't matter. So you are here, and it's okay that you don't get here. But the the I think the wonderful part that she she's in the gym. And that will be her peak, maybe. Yeah. And she still learns and stuff. And but I think it's very dangerous when you when you start to have those no 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 in her age group and blah blah blah. She can be a purple belt. Then 
then show me those put punch of them like 10 10 of them put them in a one space you know and then we can measure and then what does it mean that you're a 66 year old that's even black belt that because adult belts are different you know when you're actually are you know everybody has peaked at least once to that and they could do that and then they decline but they've been there you know so so that's different then then if somebody gets like a master's black belt that they're never peaked in adult you know and they just get their their black belt towards their age so that that has to be also marked on a belt not because because we want to diminish their value because we want to keep the, the the actual value and that th those people i think they know also that oh it's not that belt because i don't want that everything looks the same everybody's a winner i think uh, you know that everybody gets a medal attitude i think it's super dangerous but I really think the solution could be that the possibility is let's let's go to the journey. And some of us get there, some of us don't. We have our disabilities of age and movement and everything else. And uh, it's totally fine. And the, if the belt is not worshipped and then that grandma gets respect from people because she's there and nobody's go like, oh, but you're not a black belt. Nobody gives a fuck. Because she's there and she's giving example to everybody. That, well, she's got you know, perseverance, that's for sure. Yeah. So I think that is the wonderful part. And uh, then maybe the black belt is the is the goal we shoot at, you know, and then we reach somewhere else because the life kicks in and everything else. But I don't think the black belt has to be a uh, goal in itself. And uh, so I think it, this way it's more healthy to just do the activity that also it also it correlates when this kind of acting correlates when you wouldn't have belts you would you would be the same environment so and belts i think uh, give it sometimes the wrong taste and the wrong expectations to people and then it can be used of lifting yourself and lowering others and uh, so what would be I, when i talk when i think about it this would be maybe ideal that it would work without belts and with belts having that just a journey and we will see how far everybody gets because everybody didn't start it in a in a perfect time so not everybody will get there and i think if the environment is right it's actually very healthy and not bad looked upon and nobody's gonna cry about it oh i never get there because getting there is never the point never the point is to you know do your best uh, fight your demons be better than yesterday you know learn something resistance so that's the goal and I think if we can keep people in jujitsu for longer, it's better for health. And um, and and also if we know, uh, and also I think in a long run, that will bring more older people in because they they're not afraid not getting there because not getting there is not even the point, you know. Because why would you? How like if you're promised you get there, you know. And you join, let's say, when you're 60 or, you know, you join a jiu-jitsu club and they promise you will get a black belt. Like, who's lying right now? Yeah. So We don't even uh, know. You haven't been on the mat for 20 minutes. Yeah. So, and I think it's also unrealistic to expect that, that it's all uh, black belt in when you're 80. Like, what? No, I don't know. It's just like, and that selling point is also tricky, I think. And we shouldn't treat it like that. Uh, and uh, because you cannot guarantee things. And that black belt in itself is not even a goal, you know, because you have to reach your potential. So for 66 years old, that grandma 
is reaching maybe let's say her potential in some point that how 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 high level she can roll so and that is our goal to you know to show people their potential in a, wherever they are uh, not to make them feel bad about never reaching that you know that imaginary whatever goal so i think this way it would be more healthy uh, way of looking to belts and even to people i think even for a gym and then you have those black belts and and then it's differently looked upon also i think and then everybody says you know if you reach the black belt it doesn't matter anymore so why we're showing i, I that don't know man a- i'm still a brown belt so i've been doing this shit for like 16 years yeah but it's it's it is like i don't you know it's nice and stuff and you you got it and you did it and somebody but i would say I, I would actually disagree with the person. That's what everybody usually says. You know, that I would disagree with the person that gave me a black belt, that I wasn't a black belt because I would kick my ass right now like tenfolds because I was nothing I did right now. I do uh, not, what I did before. I don't do anything. The Hawkins, the running man's, the turtles, the open guard, everything is different. So now you can go like, but that person felt like, oh, you were in that level, a black belt to take it off. But I actually consider it differently. Maybe, maybe it wasn't a good time. That was the only the, the mentality I was taught before too was like, hey, this person was gonna be a way better black belt than they would ever be as a brown belt. Like they could have been a brown belt for 20 years, they wouldn't have been better. As soon as they got their black belt, they're growth really changed and it's like that for every belt like some i had some people that were white belts that were mediocre white belts and they became way better blue belts just i think maybe the confidence of like now i gotta put myself into these shoes and and be not be afraid so there are stories about i think danaher whatever uh uh, i don't agree with him but it's a you know not also i don't disagree but it's just an interesting thought that he said he likes uh He's pushing people fast through belts just to get out of the way. Uh, I don't think he gives them like for nothing, so to speak, that, oh, just get a belt. But if you're, you know, decent enough, just, you know, go belt, belt, belt and go. So it just the obstacle is out of the way. And, uh, you know, when somebody gets a black belt, I I, I agree with you what you said that uh, in a way, uh, if you get a black belt, something changes it's not a technique stuff for your attitude but it's also the expectation it's like um and that i i don't like that tension that uh that people feel when they get a black belt because actually nothing changed you know nothing changed but the, the black belt getting the black belt or being the brown belt and thinking why i'm brown belt you know for so long and do they punish me or what to do better or, i have people like uh, like i think also brown belts and purples, uh, they're like, what, what do I do? What do I do to get better? I was like, I don't know. I really Figure don't. <laughs> because, because it's not like, oh, you're missing a spider guard sweep. That, that's not the issue, you know? The issue is, like, let's say, let's, let's uh, the, usually what I recommend, start solving your problems one by one, and it doesn't matter where you start. And after you you're done, you you're probably past your milestone miles, miles, milestone anyway, because it's like, what do I do? No, no, just fix this. You have a problem? Yeah, fix it. But maybe it doesn't help me. Who knows? I don't know. Just fix it. And then you find something else to fix. And it, it leads to that fixing and that fixing. And finally, if you do the work 
And then finally, if you lift your eyes up and see where you are, you kind of, oh, I'm here. But when you're like, okay, what wh what is that place? When do I get here? Wh where do I have to go, you know? And put then your head down and yeah, start walking the, forward. You'll get there. And it's uh, it's never the road that, you, it's like never linear. And the people think it's linear all the time. It's like, it's, oh my God, it's not linear. It's like going backwards and walking, I don't know, head between your legs and then like all different acrobatics to, to finally get there. Trust me, so, my neck is feeling it by doing all the back uh, escapes. And <laughs> like, I'm like, man, my neck is wrenched. Yeah, today I also feel it. So so that usually when somebody asks, like, I was like, try to fix your problems. And I promise you, if you do it for a year, you're better than before. Maybe, but then it's like, but but if the hopes are there that after a year, they, they're there, you know? But after a year, maybe they're not still there. And then they get disappointed because they have that, I want to get there. No, you just want to fix your problems as, as much as you can. And it might take you there, but you never know. And that I think that that people, I, I at least when I was younger, I was very unsatisfied with the thought that that the unknown is there, you know? That how do I get, what, what, what happens to my life when I'm 40 or 50, where I'm at, you know? Yeah. Where, where I have to go when I'm 50, you know, I, I don't know. There's, it's not set. So that if you learn jujitsu, how do I get there? Start going, fixing stuff. And uh, it's, and I can, I can usually promise people that if you start fixing your problems, there is no way you will never get there. And if you're just going to talk about it, then just going to look where, which way to go. And that's what you never get there. Because you're but, always doubting yourself. The question is that even though that the work is done and they're fixing their problem, who gives them that right to be able to go from white to blue, to blue to purple, and so on? Like, how do you decide as a as a guide coach um, that that they've they're there? Uh, let's say we we uh, we have a beginners, but we had before Corona. We had beginners uh, base, main, and advanced. We had four groups. Mm -hmm. uh, so beginners were three months. They most mostly did submissions. Half of them, I think, was submission in three months, just to make them feel safe. Uh, base course was, I guess, six to eight months, probably eight. Um, and they they stayed in base course till they got second stripe, and they got the second stripe when they calmed down and learned to spar slowly. And they, they didn't spaz. And I guess they, they had to know also jiu-jitsu, but it kind of seems to correlate with people calming down and understanding something. And and if somebody even was technically not knowledgeable, but were easier to coach because they calmed down, we gave them a couple of stripes, two stripes, and then main group. And main group was, uh, I guess, two and a half years kind of cycle. My friend uh, Ronald, a fellow black belt, did it. And uh, after that, people kind of got blue belts or something like this. So, but they don't have to do the cycle. It was just a program what knowledge they would need. More mm. complex open guard, blah, 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 you know. But the, more re the program was built to basically uh, to calm people down first. To have that obstacle that they're coachable. So we, we still taught them jiu-jitsu and maybe some of the information in base course and main group was the same. Maybe you add a bit complexity and show versions if people ask, you know. But mainly it was like you just... I have, to, I have to calm them down, um, but otherwise they don't get it. So we, there was a weeding out process happening 
Um, and um, it took a while. Some people actually, I know one person actually quit because they they thought they deserved two stripes and we were like, no. And uh, they, they felt and they left, you know. And so I don't mind that people leave and uh, it's it's not for everybody. And that was the process is for because most people actually move on. And if we have a couple of them that quit, so so be it. So I don't I don't mind. Well, at least you're keeping the standards higher for what you. Yeah. Believe. So and it's a, it's a usually hard process because they leave. Then you want to make it better and, you know, make them stay. But I, in the end of the day, not everybody has to go. And the, pro, uh, the program is to build for to break you. Uh, and uh, because we we know what you need in the end to survive, and if you don't get it at first, you will not get it in the end. Okay. Uh, uh, so uh, that's what we at least we think. Um, uh, but 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 it's also a little bit like uh, when you said about you know when you somebody's a brown belt and then you give them black belt and they actually get better. So there's an argument that if you just push like let people go forward. And they actually get it later, what they have to learn earlier, you know. But uh, we decided that there's a wall, you know, in that sense that we we and it, the class wasn't uh, bad and everybody could anyway train with everybody. It wasn't like beginners couldn't train with the higher belts. We, we we could all roll with each other. So that rolling wasn't limited. So it wasn't like they were like in the prisons, you know, yeah. but they were just learning jitsu, jitsu like the class was differently structured uh, anyway. So uh, for, for our white belts to get blue belts, we kind of understand what they need because we look for a structure. They need to kind of know what to do in each place, what we have defined. Uh, and, uh, you know, well, movement patterns and those things. So for me to, to understand what is a blue belt, it's pretty easy uh, because we clearly give them structure and definitely in escapes. There's a clear structure you go like that. Uh, uh, they actually get get to the I'm not saying um, unsubmittable level, uh, but very hard to let's say if blue belts are chasing three or four stripe white belts, they have really really hard time with them. Maybe they don't bite back yet at those three yeah. three stripe white belts, but they have hard time like submitting them because they're like you know turtling up and what they do and, and that's what and we've been like, seeing lately. Just doing um, all the print stuff is that. I have some purple belts having a hard time trying to go because they're like, it feels weird. I feel awkward on them. It doesn't feel right. They're moving <laughs> in a different way. And now yeah. they're starting to realize where they got to put their arms and their neck and their shoulders. And they're just like, it was easier. Now it's way yeah. harder to get in. Um, and then the only concept that we're getting, or res, um, uh, how do you say it? Um, a comment from the white belt is, I freeze when I'm in a position of attacking because I'm so limited. I just don't know how to set yeah, those so, up yet. Yeah, so, you know, do uh, the defense and then you attack. But I guess what 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 I th feel that defensive stuff is good for is it allows beginners to roll with more advanced people and to get the feel of good jiu-jitsu and not get destroyed very fast. So they can actually enjoy the role, the survival. And they can hang on with them and they can be brought up because they don't get submitted uh, so easily. And so they hang with them more, you know, mm -hmm. and also those white belts are getting more respect from higher belts 
that and uh, and you know that oh I didn't submit they feel like it's very hard to submit you so they're actually saying honest things and white belts you know they want to hear that that somebody higher that gives them that respect that god damn you're trained only six months but I have very hard time with you and uh, yeah. so and this is honest feedback and you know it tickles people they like to hear it because that's a clear clear progress they cannot bite them back but they they can survive so blue belts I I find when they it's you know, not quite easy, but we have a clear understanding at the moment what we need from them of uh, attacking, you know, uh, and, um, you know, defending because kind of white belts, they learn to attack each other also because of the, they learn to open those elbows and they're kind of learning the, the right things. Uh, and the uh, purples actually I have a harder time. I'm really, I'm really bad person to evaluate people, evaluate people. Uh, so I have Ronald, then, then we kind of talk. And uh, so I have four black belts in a gym, and uh, I also they also sometimes hint hint to me that pre check it out that I think that's a purple belt. So one guy actually got a purple belt because one other black belt mentioned that dude you have to give him purple belt that is already pretty good. So and then I was like, oh actually it is yeah give purple belt. So I kind of forgot and then then um, then I get that you know that those feedbacks from other people and. Uh, uh, so purples are more like, I would say, like they're 18, you know, in, in a in a jiu-jitsu way. They're foolish a bit, but they know a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there, there's certain uh, adultness in their movement, certain pre-thought why they're doing things, you know, that want to set something up or there's certain, yeah, I would say adultness in that they've been there already. And uh, there's a, usually it's fun role. You know they can pretty much uh, uh, catch. You know it's really easy to give them feedback and and they can fix their mistakes pretty easily. And uh, so I find that level. Uh, you know what is a four stripe blue belt or what is a purple belt is a good question. You know what whatever they're missing. But uh, and then sometimes I feel if I give them a purple, then maybe it was too early. But sometimes if I give them purple. And then I see them roll a couple of weeks. I was like, yeah, that was right. Yeah, they're like, it fits them kind of, you know. And uh, but I have <laughs> I have really, really hard time with browns. Like, uh, like what is a brown belt? Um, and like, it's if I give you a brown belt, you kind of it's like you're almost there. But then and let's say I have two brown belts in my gym. And, you know, they don't train. Uh, one is other city. I haven't seen him for a while and that I don't train with him so much. And one brown belt doesn't train as much anymore. Uh, and we'll see if he wants to continue jiu-jitsu. I have no clue. Um, but uh, uh, I, I don't know what they're missing. Let's say the guy that trains with us, that what's missing from the black belt. Because considering maybe how I was when I was a black belt, maybe he's a black belt. But then the standard I have, and it's like, I don't know what's missing because when I remember when I rolled with him, actually, maybe there's a confidence issue, you know, maybe something like I feel like he's not fighting back as much as he should or something or gives up. I don't know what it is. It's something weird. Well, but we see that it's, it's a mental block. I think I have it, too, is when you see somebody that has a black belt around their waist and you're, you know, you start your match, you're going Oh, I got to be very defensive because they're going to do a whole bunch of different shit. I got to get ready for. So you already get that mental block that you're not going to attack like they would want you to attack back and forth. 
Even though they so, respect you, they don't. They, you, you feel that you're you're mentally blocked, possibly. So sometimes, sometimes I feel like maybe I just uh, I don't want to maybe overthink it. Let's say if I, the thought is also you know not in a bad way. If I just give them that, they're not gonna be the worst black belt ever, you know. Mm. And uh, maybe that's already enough to just. They don't have to be the best black belt or you know the decent. People grow into black belts and. And, uh, you know, you always overthink that because it is responsibility. They're the black belt. They have to really know jiu-jitsu, you know, because they're, you don't want to give somebody black belt and uh, people think like, what? You know? And, they're teaching uh, karate the next day. Yeah. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> so so um, you kind of have the responsibility. And I, I like to call it, uh, you know, uh, the black belt. Uh, when I give you a black belt, I give you your freedom. Because after that, you kind of, you know, you're off the hook. You are, you're your own man, so to speak, that you're not dependent. And I also like the ritual in that sense that I think it's worth. The, still in black belt, it means something if it's honest. And uh, I really think that it's like a ritual. Okay, now I give you a freedom and now I trust you can be your own man, you know. And uh, so you can figure out your own place in that sense that usually you know, then people start to do their own gyms or start to, you know, have their own opinions more out loud out there because now they have given that freedom. And also with a, because of black belt, people seem to listen to them more, you know. So you have that authority right away, you know, for, let's say beginners, or whatever. Oh, he's a black belt. He knows, you know. So so that's very funny. Usually, uh, do you find do you find a, a, a black belt has to be, you know, that old saying, um, don't fear the man that knows a thousand moves but can only do it once, but fear the man that, you know, knows one move but can do it a thousand different ways. Do you find uh, that that would be more of like, I know you have more of a millimist approach to jujitsu. You try to make it simple uh, that you don't need all these 25 different guards to play, uh, but you have to understand some of them and the risk associated to them. And be good at certain things. So, yeah. So I think the way I like to think about it, uh, why I like my thinking process is uh, because some of my guys are developing some weird stuff like crab rides and hooks and stuff. And then I I, I guess I've, ta I've taught the class and I've, we, we give them some foundation also. But I'm not going to be a specialist in that, you know, uh, in that sense. But the way I know the clicks and body positioning is working um, I can really help them. They're like, okay, I'm here and I have hard time transitioning there. So then I'm like, okay, what is a body position? Because it has to resemble something mechanically strong, you know, that I believe. And then there's a clicks. And then I'm like, but, but if you do a hip a little bit here, the other hook is clicking better there. And then you can have a better push and that creates more blah, blah, blah. And I can solve, I can, I, I, I feel I can uh, solve their problems like this. And I have. And it's like, oh, I can, you know, I don't understand what you're doing and how you got here, but I can make it better in that sense, because I always look like, okay, there's an equation that how do we balance it out? I have my rules that I put right away into the system. I'm like, okay, there, 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 and then, okay, try it now, you know? So, and then that moves in many cases works better and with, uh, you know, more control and everything else. And, and I was like, oh, even somebody did. I think somebody did like a, from open guard top, rolling, you know, and rolling got a back take, whatever it was. Yeah. And usually it's done from the top with a collar grip from behind, and then you roll. And but then I was like, 
but try it with a no-gi grip. And actually rolling and grabbing the kind of over armpit and then rolling over your shoulder, it ended up in a, also a very awesome position that's, I would argue, she she still liked maybe the gi grip. But I, I, I was like, but the no-gi grip actually leaves you in a very awesome position that was also mechanically solid. But it was done in no-gi, and so, but with a gi you grab in the middle, in a no-gi you grab from armpit. And... Uh, so I'm also looking for, let's say, uh, universal grips in that sense. But I, I, I think actually grabbing the no-gi grips are, is mechanically superior. And um, I think it's because we're made, we're made to hook on things that are, yeah, are made for yeah. us to grab, right? Not instead of the, yeah. a cloth so, that is manipulated. So like, with, with, don't get me wrong. Gi, it's good for yeah. a gi joke. With right. gi, you get like a like not optimal stuff, but with gi, you get the more control because it is easier to hold, but mechanically you're not optimal position to pull sometimes. So with the no gi, you you get optimal, but you get less control because you know there's nothing to hold on to, so to speak. So, but I actually think it's better because it forces better habits because you have to move and not hang on and stall. Uh, so I think overall, actually, it builds better aggressiveness than just holding the gi, you know, uh, that sometimes very often creates stalling actually more because you have that grip, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, so so yeah, that's kind of also how I think about the stuff that is helping me to help others because even not knowing their game, I feel that I can feel it. I, w- I would be more here. I would be more there. Because uh, the way I see the body mechanics and positions and how they have to click in my head and they can't just be like overall kind of floaty. They have to usually have a mechanical reasons why you're there so that you you would require as much as little as possible um, experience. And if you are in mechanically strong position, you have uh, everything, so to speak, a little bit uh, the fight is tilted towards your side, so everything they have to do is a little bit off, and everything you have to do is kind of in a right place. So that's why I love the clicks that kind of it serves you. And so I'm trying to find for both sides those clicks. So, and I think if everybody is good, we will have that floaty kind of game that nobody gets anything. And if mm-hmm. somebody clicks, then it becomes more stable, and somebody wins more, somebody loses more. But uh, so the floaty game happens usually when both are good and nobody can stabilize. So did so, you did you find um, when you were doing all like your research and, you know, you're the first guy in Estonia to kind of bring jujitsu forward. Uh, when you were in your infancy of all doing this, like, did you have to like, I don't have a professor or a coach or whatever you want to call it, a guide in front of me all the time. To say, Steph, you're doing this wrong. We, we need to fix this. What do you find feel here? Well, I feel the same thing I felt yesterday, but it doesn't look right. So how did you mitigate your self-teaching with a group of newer people that are not challenging you where you need to be challenged to develop your jujitsu better? That's easy. So, uh, <laughs> I'm listening, Britt. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a super easy question. Um, um, you know, I'm not going to call you out that maybe you don't do it, probably do, but, um, so, um, Matt, let's say Matt Thornton has said, I, I kind of like some of the stuff he said, you know, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, uh, so, were you guys were you guys together for a long time? Is that why? Yeah, but you know, I was an SPG, and I guess I stayed in his house. And um, he's also a very hard guy to approach, mm. and he he has his things. Uh, and but clearly, you know, I respect some of the things he has done, and still, uh, aliveness, aliveness 101 blogspot is still one of the best. You know, what was my bible of tra training and stuff to read about it like many times during the years, and uh, so. But I guess yeah, we we in some way we went like boom, uh, and in some way I kind of liked what I did. But I guess later I felt uh, for me at least the uh, the vibe or something for me wasn't that, and uh, where everything was heading, and then then uh, I kind of took it to my own to make my own way. Uh, but Matt has said I think um, that if you would have let's say if you were a I don't know, purple belt, whatever. If you would have um, not one black belt, but 20 black belts, it wouldn't make you any better because you would just have 19 more black belts who would kick your ass. Yeah, and you would hate the place even more because uh, you there's a, it seems to be like very weird logical fallacy that you would think that, that what also people preach that, oh, if you train with the best, you become best. Yeah, but I would say if you're the best and then you train with the best, then I would agree. Uh, because uh, then you just hone each other's skills and brainstorm and everything else. But if you're, you're you know, if you suck less, then it's actually they, they cannot lift you up because they're going to just ragdoll you and they're you're not going to train. You yeah, they're not going to train with you. They're not going to be a dummy for you, you know, uh, mostly. So the key is actually... Uh, I was a top dog in my gym for a long time uh, because I was a purple belt. Everybody was a blue belt, blah, 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 you know, and the white belts. So um, you have a decision to make there. And I don't know how I did it. Maybe it was told to me or uh, maybe it was naturally. Who knows? So as a top dog, uh, you have a choice. You can dominate everybody. Yeah. Or also you can put yourself in all the all the troubles you want. Because everybody knows you actually beat them up, but you're you're you want to find out more. So how I did it was, I started my you know my mount escapes, whatever I trained for when I was younger. Um, I took like a I don't know 30 kilo lighter guy, put it in a mount, and then you know just pushed him away. That was the first escape, and then I was like, okay, I got out. Now I want to do more technical, you know. And then by every you know. In a jokingly long story short, every every rep you try to do more technically, technically. So then even they agree that you get out by technique, not by bullying them with force. Mm -hmm. And then you take somebody heavier, you know, 20 kilo, maybe lighter, not 30. Then try it on them. Then you take so finally maybe you take 20 kilo lighter and then better level. And then you climb the ladder. So I think when you are a top dog, uh, when you're uh, like then. I don't think you have a responsibility, but you can you can go to that with great power comes great responsibility. But I think it's just a normal thing to do that you can explore. And you can, like we talked about, you know, as a coach, giving the power away that never saying you're a Buddha, you know, because then you're already, you know, putting yourself above everybody by saying you're a Buddha. And uh, but if you act 
in a way that you put yourself in triangles, arm bars, uh, and also by you want to by the reason you want to find out, then you probably will tap also because you want to always find out you know what is the deepest triangle you get out, and you will find also your limit uh, that where you cannot get out. So that means you as a top dog roll with uh, beginners and you will tap a lot because you're trying to find out limits and you put yourself in side controls because you want to train escapes and you will suffer and you will be a good role model because you, the guy that has the greatest power to kick everybody asses, puts himself in a bad positions to find out and taps a lot. So, and then when you had enough that sometimes it's mentally hard to always lose, so to speak. So okay. if you want, you can pick any lock and try to uh, try to uh, try to um, get better at anything you want. Also submissions. You just roll with somebody, and during the roll with them randomly, you just try new shit and you pull it off. They can be a living dummy, and you can do whatever you want by just guiding the match, and then you know wanting to submission you do, and then you know. So you you actually have a perfect place. And um, if I've I've heard people also saying like. But I don't have anybody to roll with, and you know I'm not saying that's you, but people have told me like ah, I just, I don't like that's always beginners and stuff. I was like, you are the luckiest guy. If you feel like you're awesome, put yourself in a rear naked choke in a day one beginner. Let them lock their arms, and I guarantee you have fun. Yeah. So and you are the so it's up to you to take that responsibility and take you off the throne, and put yourself in a commons man land. And uh, go there and just make it make it like you're one of them. And they enjoy it. And you will build very good community by showing example of you tapping left and right. So they will mimic that uh, behavior because when they get uh, powerful enough, they will mimic what you did. Mm -hmm. So if you dominate everybody, you will bring up people that will dominate everybody else. But yeah. if you show with your, your ex ex if you show with your behavior that you're exploring, you're tapping, and it's okay, then uh, they will mimic that behavior. And they think that, oh, it's not about the you know ego and everything else, and you put yourself there. And then you talk about the experience. Guys, I did that. I demand from this from you. But if you dominate everybody and ask everybody else to suffer, they go like, ah, oh, you know, you haven't done this yourself. So I think in that sense, uh, I don't know if you are in that place, but uh, those people no, like, who I mean, are... I've... I, I don't have a choice. I kind of, like, I got was it, two days ago to go choked out, like, three times. Because I'm trying to, you know, walk out, like, do a running man and sitting up in Panda. And some of them are just really good. And they're getting good grips. And you're like, oh, shit. And I'm, I got to find my way to turn my neck and shoulders. And, yeah, I get I get tapped. And I'm fine yeah. with it. And that's never been an issue. It's just that I, I – uh, I want to make sure that's a good path to keep going on. Yeah. Then when but I feel, when I when I meet that brown black guy that you know or high, high purple that are giving hard times, that I know I can still hang. You know. Yeah, but that starts that you have to first believe you can hang with white you can hang with white belts, and then uh, then you hang with blue belts and then you hang with purple belts. You know, and you climb the ladder to the highest you can, and then you can go. But yeah, but I I escape my purple belts. Then I would go, really, give them a better grip. And I promise it's fun again. So because there's always a level of escape. So you can maybe they do something this. And yes, uh, I, I escape every purple belt. But give them this. 
you know, and try to escape purple belts. Yeah. So then if you can escape purple belts like here, maybe you escape brown belts from here. You understand? Because in a good fight, you don't want to give them anyway too much because you know when you really meet a brown belt, you want to try stuff. You still want to keep everything early, you know? Yeah. And uh, you have to know that you have that depth in you that you can go late and early. But but that's what I'm saying also with purple belts. Try to escape. Try to get good at escaping really deep stuff. And that will also give you confidence. But if if I if I'm confident with purple belts and they're decent enough, so it's really real. You know, maybe blue belts they don't know what white belts. Purples already, you know, their attacks are pretty precise. So that means that maybe I can. And also, if you have ability to keep them away also and give them stuff, you know, so you have that balanced. And then you go like, but maybe against the brown belts I can just keep them away. And if they get a little bit, I get out. So. And uh, then you, you know, then you, if you get comfortable with them, good relations, then you try more, give them more. But uh, that is already like a, like a good skill that, and you can go, but I don't know against black belts and brown belts, you know, but you can already predict, you can project a little bit that uh, purples are already a good test, you know? And so if that projection is white, blue and purple, it's already, you can pro project, so to speak, the, the line where it goes. And mm -hmm. can it work or not? And then if you're not sure, try it again. Give them more. Get out. Hmm, pretty good, you know. And try to find flaws in their, you know, in their attack. Can you do this better? Maybe try better grip this. Fix their fix their attack to the best of your knowledge. And if you can escape that, god damn, it's pretty good, you know. So that, that, that also gives you confidence that you can meet brown belts and, you know, and maybe you think even that maybe their attack is even not that better because you have looked to purple belt attack like precisely, you know, made it, it made at a black belt level, a color attack. Maybe they're purple belt overall, but that color stuff that you want to fix, you made them a black belt in this position. You know, you want, you know what I mean? They can have yeah. a, yeah, yeah, a, for sure. They can have yeah. occasional peaks and this can be really a black belt level attack. If you, if you help them fix it and then, and also uh, by by having this uh, by having this uh, top talk mentality or your know, top talk thing in a gym by helping them you know because you want to get better so you have to make them better yeah so it's like okay i want to have better color chokes okay i will teach you to actually how to choke me better so there's like i'm going to help you to beat me and you can ask like in a real life, why anybody would teach somebody to beat themselves. Like in business, you don't teach your competitors to how to, to beat your business, you know? You want to, you know, you want to keep all the secrets. secrets. Yeah. yeah. But in that environment, when everybody is working with you, you will teach them your secrets. You will teach them how to get better, how they can beat you better. And this is also like not to become Buddha, you know, you give everything away. Just you, you have to beat me, and I will make a, I will make you better than me, myself. And only if you make them better, ideally, than yourself, then you will reach the next stuff. You know. So it's it's like a helping thing going on. You have to help everybody, and then you can reach your goals. Mm -hmm. So and if you don't do that, if you keep people down and you're a top dog and demolishing everybody, you will never reach it. And everybody in your gym also feels, we talked about, you know, we go back to that. We talked about environment. So you give everything away, your secrets, and make everybody better. And then people respect you that because, you know, they, yeah, they can choke you, but they all know that you given that, you you're, you're, you gave them that power. 
and you empowered people so they can beat you. So even if eventually they will beat you, because that's the goal, uh, next generation has to be better than previous one, because everybody know knows in their heads where the power came from. Yeah. Because so it it was given by, voluntarily by you, and you know like uh, like mother and father, you will never get you will never forget what they have done. You know, you can outgrow them. You're a bit stronger than them. But they're still your mother and father, and you you always know that it took a village to grow you up, you know, and you always respect that that they're they're giving you this, and you never go like oh you know, but you have that like oh that's my mom, okay he he she has the right for me for life, you know. Yeah. I, I never I, I never fought my dad even though I know he doesn't know jujitsu. I'm like nah he's my dad. <laughs> yeah, so that because you but that's the power thing because he gave you stuff, he supported you everything else. And then it's it's different because they empowered you and you kind of owe them kind of your life course because mm -hmm. and so it's a different meaning when you do that to people in a gym. I and just so find it very is, frustrating yeah. that you do that with a lot of people and then they go, ah, you know, I don't I don't feel like I'm progressing as much. I'm just going to go next door. And you're like, dude, I spent a lot of time with you, a lot of heart, a lot of knowledge. Um doing extra work and then they just kind of screw off because they think but, that the grass is greener on the other side. But that's the, that's other trick that I, I, I can relate to it. Uh, not in a way that people would run out of me, run, run out of my gym, but in a way that's the problem. But that is the problem. Uh, let's say, I think I also had because that is a problem when you want to too much for people. But it's it's a different that I talked right now that you want to help them to become better, uh, and but it's not like like you know I, we talked about being a good you know good coach that I want to give you everything at once, but that's actually not good for them. It has to be earned, yeah. So the trick I find is not, you know I I think at the moment I find that the trick is to make them more engaged. So the trick is. Uh, that's why I, I love my training format at the moment or a similar format, let's say, uh, with somebody does something else, that most of the class is exploring. Most of the class is them being uh, faced with a problem that they can't solve if the resistance is low enough and they're learning and they're actually, they are doing that, you know? So they are engaging, they're important, they're, their opinion matters and they can solve their problem and that is empowering. If you give them answers that's not earned, it's a different feeling in them. And it's like a never ending, uh, give me more, give me more, give me more. If you don't give, they leave, yeah? yeah but yeah. The, tr the trick is to, you know, I guess uh, to make them engage more that, that you are a guide, they're solving their problem. And people love that autonomy part that I, I talked yesterday, I think with, I think who it was, maybe it was even Stephen Kesting. We had actually a talk with him through through Skype. That in psychology there is a I don't know if you know self determination theory. You know that? I'm sorry, the self self determination, not termina self determination. Uh huh. Okay, and there's a there are three parts. There's autonomy, there's competence, and that's the social aspect. Yeah. So. Uh, social aspect is clear, you know, you want to be, uh, there's, you know, you want to feel welcomed, uh, you have to have like social connections, friends, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. These are so, all, these are all based from a book named The uh, Culture Code. 
yeah. So so uh, then you know all the feedbacks and stuff we do kind of yeah. we do to that. Then it's we have a uh, competence. People really have to feel they're getting better. And then autonomy part is uh, is you know you're independent. Your your thoughts matter. So mm. if those things are are there, then I at least the science also uh, like acknowledges that that people are more likely to stay with activity. And so if you're a robot, if you things are given to you, uh, blah blah blah, then you know they 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 think. Let's what's the what's the word in English? They they feel they they deserve they're uh, entitled to it you know so to speak certain things but i i feel that uh, if you make them you know help them solve their own problems they have certain you know because if they solve problems they also gain certain respect in a gym yeah because uh, because they know oh i can figure it out i can help people people turn to them people treat them in certain authority maybe because they can solve it so you then you create better social connections because you feel more valued, you know, and blah, blah, blah. So so in that sense, trying to figure them out and being more as a guide than as a teacher or giving them information and solving their problem. I and think that is the hard like the sense of uh, giving them the sense of safety, being able to be vulnerable with their yeah. decisions and then also feeling that there's a purpose behind it yeah. as, a, so, as a community. Yeah. So. And those are, you know, always when you when you have those psychological, you know, boxes, they sound super cool, and but it's super hard to create. But actually, I find when you really boil it down, there's quite simple rules. Uh, to you know, what we explained also today that that uh, if we do certain things, those things what I explain, uh, what I what I what we talked about today, are are creating those things. Uh, I'm not saying it's like everything you need, but I think that's already a good base. Maybe you insert on, okay, maybe we know we need more autonomy. We we add more stuff in autonomy part in a, in a club. Maybe because I, I clearly know that our club could, could be more, let's say, social because I really enjoy, uh, I really enjoy when, when I'm visiting gyms that uh, I think in Italy also, uh, in Sicily, uh, in Sicily, we after every class we went out to eat pizza. Yeah. And we went out, and not everybody, but a lot of people came, and we went to burgers and stuff in Estonia because we. But they also had only one class. We have like an evening full of classes, you know. Mm. But it also could be like maybe after open mat in Sunday, whatever, you know, everybody gets to have a, like a pie or what a coffee, and then everybody gets home. So it's not like I'm, you know, I'm finding excuses, but this is what I. Also, in Australia, I saw that this is very common in people that they're okay, finishing one single class and then they get together for a while. And it's and funny because when I travel to Norway, Finland and uh, Sweden, they don't do that. It's like they're very like, Meh. yeah, but that's what I feel. Also, it's a cultural thing. I, I was getting to that. It's a little bit like, I don't know, warm countries or whatever it is. Yeah. And it's it's maybe like a, you know, southern countries because they're more warmer in spirit. And uh, northern is kind of cold, so social aspects. So if you feel like uh, you can tweak certain aspects of that, you know. But I find it's very dangerous when people are not getting good, and let's say people are made look good, mm. then everybody will pretend, you know, that they're good, and everybody has that kind of glass shell that's really easy to shatter, and people get offended and stuff. So uh, I find you can tweak it, uh, whatever is missing. 
but I, I find that those social aspects, what we do, I, I feel it could be better, but I feel because we do other things well, I think it's not going to be the end of the world because we still have the jiu-jitsu and gym is good and training methods and stuff. So it's not, we could fix that, but it's not end of the world. So there's still improvement in that. And uh, so that will be my, also the, how do you know, build the culture, so to speak that, and it's really strange that, uh, that you would think the answer is more you, more you, more, more organizing, micromanaging everything. But yeah. it's like, no, 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 it's the answer is totally opposite. Like, you know, let it be, have the rules. And then it just takes care of because you have rules and you have certain, you know, feedback and this and that and how we solve problems and how we tackle them and we don't whine about it. We go like, okay, you have issue. Okay, let's sit down. Let's try. Not like, you know, you're afraid to try or something, you know? So, so, and, you know, we, we started with asking questions stuff. So you can, you can guide them to have better better questions so to speak what is was what was the hardest so there is a you know methods in that madness that sense that that uh, you still have to have certain rules and guidelines but i think micromanaging and stuff i'm not saying you do that but, uh, but, but I've, done it. To- I've done it before because you feel like you don't know what to do and you're just trying to improve everything for everybody yeah. and uh, then goes the that in business right and but some people have to play with those rules of micromanaging because they, they don't have the ability to take self-autonomy or here's a project. I want you to try it out. Bring it back. Let's look at it. We'll tweak it and we'll go back and do it. They can't do that. Some people just can't. But then, yeah, I also agree because we, um, you know, certain people are good at certain tasks. And I guess uh, I haven't been in those, you know, usually project managers and stuff, they're educated with certain courses that they recognize right away what person has what skills mm-hmm. and how do you, you know, categorize and how do you approach that and what kind of job they should be doing and how they should be run under the certain project. So I, I, I don't know those things, but I can understand what they mean. Uh, so, so that is, I think, the skill that uh, when you talked about that situation, that could be in that sense beneficial that, uh, you don't give the wrong tasks to, you know, the, you know, right tasks to wrong people. Wrong people. Yeah, that, uh, okay, that person can handle it. That person needs that kind of project managing. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if some people need micromanaging, but I know most people that are driven crazy by it. Yeah. Uh, and and so, so that is a skill I'm not feeling comfortable to talk because clearly I'm not a, in that sense, project manager. In, in a way, in a club, I am. But I think when you really project manage, it's a little bit different. Now, did and, you ever find that it's easier to have set rules for like, hey, this is what I really need you to work on as for your you know, guard retention or, you know, certain position of, of offense or defense. And so that everybody knows what the rules are that you need to work on first and then let them go at it or. Because some people are like, I need a curriculum. Like these, these, the people now are weird. They're like, I need structure and I need curriculums and I need to know that this yeah. is the start, this is the end, and that's all I, that, I'm going to work on that. I also think think that that's fake a bit. Okay. Uh, uh, so I really think if you just if people would uh, let's say trust our curriculum, whatever, and uh, if they will come to the classes, they will get there. 
uh, and it's not going to be like everybody will have a perfect, you know, open guard by the blue belt, but obviously they're blue belt, you know? Yeah. And uh, um, what I've found really uh, is uh, some people, if you give some people opportunity to do the job, a lot of them, they don't do. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind that. I don't mind, but maybe people think, and also I think they, I think many people expect the answer, and then I ask them to do the work to find the answer, and then it's like, ah, oh, okay, uh, I don't, I don't feel motivated, whatever, and I don't mind because in jujitsu in our club, um, it has happened that uh, you know somebody got excited, and then the excitement lasted two days, you know. And, well, we see uh, that with people trying to lose weight and getting on diets. Yeah, so it happened. Yeah, it happened to me. You know, ha ha. <laughs> so, so uh, I feel like, but uh, I can I can explain my reasoning. You know, and I'm not trying to lie to myself. And I I know uh, what excuses do I have, and it's kind of silly. So I don't mind if people don't do the work, and if I you know somebody asks, okay, how do get good in open guard? Okay, try to, uh, you know, open mats. If you have a one-hour open mat, let's say 20 minutes, uh, you know, train open guard. Take somebody lighter, lesser skill, go for it. And then occasionally send me a video, you know, and uh, I will take a look after, you know, every two weeks, whatever, you know, and then we go from there. So show me uh, that you're working. So show me you're building a context and then we go from there. Because just showing you a thousand techniques that you think is a fix, it's not. And, uh, you know, most cases, it, it's not going to happen. Most cases, I don't see those videos. Yeah. And I don't mind also because people uh, then, because they, they expect easy fix. And then I'm like, no, do the work. Show me you can do the work. And uh, then it's like, uh, you know, and uh, I don't mind. I'm not judging them in that sense. And then they i feel that's that's enough for them to come to those everyday classes because there's a structure somebody pushes you they're willing to do the work but if i give them freedom to show me do the voluntarily the work they're not yeah so maybe they're not there yet and maybe it comes with certain i don't know purple belt brown belt whatever the idea that uh who knows you know some people i've seen uh, our white belts are very eager some people never take off in that the self-learning part uh, I don't mind, but I find I find uh, in also it's easy for me to say because I do the same behavior in other areas to myself, you know, and so but in jujitsu it's very fun to see that I'm just asking that question and then I know I most cases I'm surprised that if they do something and mostly I already expect that they're not, not yeah. uh, and uh, I don't and also it's like a, not in a judgment that it's I know myself also like oh yeah I've I've done the same I tell them also that sometimes that. You know, I I also have like tomorrow and then uh, become two days and I was like, ah, oh, shit, you know, so because. Yeah, my, how's, my, how's, the, how's the driving coming? Actually, driving is I, I'm I'm let's say I'm finished the driving school. Yeah. Uh, and now I have to do the driving school exam. Oh, yeah. So I'm 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 uh, I've also I've done the theory. I've done the practice hours and now I have to I still want to, you know, prepare for tests. So I have to do the tests. And then I'm going to do the school exam. But the official uh, driving school is actually locked, yeah. uh, like government driving school because of Corona. 
and they open only in first July. Uh, sorry, first June. So I, I couldn't do even official exam if I wanted. So, but I, I did the three months of, of learning to drive again. And, uh, you know, I had a license anyway for 10 years. So, but it was, it was actually fun to do it again. So why did, why did you restart? Like, what was the whole basis? Uh, so I, I was stupid when I was younger and okay. uh, I had, uh, no, not in a crime wise. I had a, I had a car. I had a, actually a Toyota Celica, like American version. Yeah. 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 So, so I had three cars, cars when I was younger. And then in some point I didn't have a car and then I, I didn't need the license. So, and then I, and then I was like, because right now these days, it's also the ID document. Yeah, you can use it for ID. Back in the day, it wasn't. Uh, uh, and, th and then it was like, I didn't use it. And then I, I was like, where's, I had a license. Where was it? And then it was expired for two years. <laughs> and then because of the, I, I guess the Russian times, whatever, uh, there is no mark, not physical, electronical, no mark in police, whatever, that I ever had a driving license. Really? Like, like nothing. Like you never had a car, you never driven. And I was like, but I had the license 10 years. I got fines and, you know, you should have a, some record that I had a license and maybe you have to do it again, but you have to see that I had it. No, we, you never had it. I was like, oh, fucking hell. You know, that was the, but I guess that was a time when everybody, everything was, you know, not digital and then it got digital maybe. When, so, when did when did Estonia get like their freedom from? <laughs> it's not freedom. It's yeah, actually... whatever you want to call it. <laughs> so no, no, it's a uh, ninety-one. Yeah, ninety-one. Ninety-one. Yeah. Hey, I I I have a Ural, a motorcycle from Russia. Oh. With the sidecar. That's actually funny. <laughs> yeah, and I ride my my German Shepherd rides in it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. Oh, okay. I just didn't know when did you, you guys left huh. or left or was told to go or let. Yeah. It was a it was a lucky break. Yes. I think it's it's recorded pretty well. So if somebody's interested, uh, that we had actually uh, like a very small window to do it, and mm -hmm. our you know when sometimes you hate politicians and stuff, they don't do their work. That was the time when they actually pulled off something impossible. Wow. And, and yeah, we, we had a very small window and then, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff in that time that uh, that happened that uh, they wanted to take us back in some point And, you know, but anyway, uh, it's, like a bad, it's like a bad relationship. I don't want you anymore. Oh, come back. Come back. No, no, yeah. it's OK. So yeah, well, actually, I, I should probably let you go because this has been two hours and no, no, I have to teach classes soon. Okay, that because in 15 minutes I have a Star Wars movie happening. So I have 15 minutes. Oh, okay. I, I have a the the Solo movie happens. Han Solo movie. Yeah, the Han Solo movie. We, we, we have a, a TV premiere, and it happens in I think in 15 minutes. So I'm good. Well, then you have to go make some popcorn and get all your stuff ready. Oh, I know. So I guess we can finish up. I don't mind, but I just I told you I have 15 minutes. So I don't know how much you have time. So man, I I hold on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, 15 minutes because at 1:30 I have class. Yeah, so well, we don't have to do it 15, but just we can we can start to you know figure out how to end this. But but for me it was at least it was uh, uh, some of it I've talked before, but some of it was new. So I actually that's why I like to talk because with different people uh, they ask 
differently, you know, and then I, then I end up talking about different things. So it's interesting for me and it helps to, you know, kind of uh, restructure my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, and so I think overall the talk was good. Yeah, I, I hope you, I gave you some ideas. You, you know what? You give me great ideas, but it was nice to also feel that um, those answers were the same things that you felt and I felt. And so I'm on the right track in a way that I feel that what you were saying um, is how I was thinking already. And I just want to, you know, sometimes you just want to make yeah. sure like, am I doing this in, in the right positive fashion or am I ruining everybody's jujitsu relationship in my school? You know what I mean? Like, I just yeah. don't want to screw people up. Yeah. So I, I think overall, from the community perspective, I guess there's books about it, you know, uh, and uh, I guess we have to also, you know, cultural code, whatever, self-determination theories, we have to kind of see what they have figured out from the science part, why people like the, the stuff they like. Uh, they may say that maybe they don't do this way, but when you actually watch them socially behave, they all tend to do those things anyway, even unconsciously, but they're not aware of that, that they're actually so predictable, you know? Uh, but I found that like with children, they work better to explore faster than, than adults do because they're not stuck in a, in a conformity box from like, you know, industrialism or working or, you know, everything is a hierarchy somewhere they go as an adult. You know, if you go to a job, you have a supervisor, then there's a manager or there's the owner or, so they always have to be stuck with like their little box. But with the kids, what I've noticed, I can, I can let them like a, a, a roll of toilet paper and they can make, and they don't care who does which role. They all kind of, oh, we can do this or try to do this. And they, they kind of feed from each other. And I think, how do we get adults to get back to like a children creativity to understand that you need to talk and build relationships together to actually that's the, get better but at That's it. the method. That's the method, what we explained. Yeah. That you, you, in a way that you, you let them play that you do the drills progressive you let them talk it's uh, it's not it's uh, everything is not predetermined uh, and um, i think it's a for a lot of people actually i think the relationship that you develop like this it's new because let's say in a, like you said in a job it's sometimes it's a clear hierarchy i know there's workplaces that are doing maybe similar things that the boss is not a boss boss is you know they're they're there but they're, you, you kind of they help you figure out and they understand that you are the power and how well you work that they get more ideas and stuff and so so in but if they come from the very traditional structure and then in jujitsu is like okay what do you think it's like uh, what <laughs> what i but and they're also sometimes i think we talked about it that they feel like no 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 i came here for answers you know yeah that, like, that's i think the sense i'm getting more is like oh, i'm paying you to give me the yeah. answers. I'm not here to pay you <laughs> for me to explore. But but I think they I think socially they misunderstand because I think uh, I think they really they're they're honest about it when they say oh I need answers, but they don't know that uh, when they start to play they actually forget their question. Uh, in that sense, they forget that they they wanted answer because through play they're like they they discover something about themselves that oh. I can figure this out and we have to give that power back to the people because sometimes they ask this from you, give me answer because they think they, they can't figure out by themselves. So we have to actually 
give that people power back that, no, 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 you can figure it out. I just want to guide you because you will see that complexity in front of you. You go like, oh, Preet, give me answers, but I'm going to go, I'm not going to give it to you, but I'm going to help you to figure it out. And uh, you will understand then what is the answer actually means, you know, because so more like the, uh, the psychologist that just keeps asking questions, but the person, as they talk, they start figuring out their answers themselves. Yeah, because it seems like, you know, it works that way because they have to go deeper, you know, in them kind of figure stuff out. If I just tell them, like, don't do it, they still gonna because they haven't, you know, touched their deeper feelings. They're still going to behave the way they do. They have to reach to the point that, oh, yeah, I fucked this up myself, you know, and then the healing starts because they're going to acknowledge something to them, you know, for themselves. So by having this kind of weird, yeah, like, uh, and it's not going to be like if they ask, I'm going to say no, but I'm kind of, you know, guiding them nicely towards them that they want answers. So the class starts and I will give this drill, that drill. And they're they're actually, they understand that they're getting the answers, but not in a way they hope. But I think if you just tell them that, no, you have to figure it out yourself. I think that's also a bad answer because they have no, they have no clue what that means. And they like, yeah. no, 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 no. But uh, we have to go like, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I can hear you. And then the class starts and then you kind of reverse it by met- using methodology. And uh, after a couple of years, you can ask that same question from the person that, do you now understand why I couldn't answer you straight when you answered me, give me answers? And then they're like, yeah, yeah, I didn't know, you know, I understand more. And now I can figure out my own stuff. And they're actually changed. So uh, so I think that that they can, you can ask that later because because we know what they're afraid of. And we know why they ask that, that give me the answers, you know. If, you know, I was, uh, I was, I think was 15 or 16 and my parents asked me, Preet, you know, you know, not in that straightforward, but in our essence, it was like, Preet, what do you want to do in life? I was like, how the fuck should I know? I'm like 16. <laughs> I'm 16 so years how, old, man. Yeah. How do I know what I what I want to do rest of my life? I, they didn't do back then even martial arts. I started when I was 17. I was like, I don't know. And I have no clue what I want to learn or what school to go or what well, I'm 16. Why do I have to know? <laughs> and that, that was kind of like, but um, so I, I know that question that if, uh, you know, that I know that you cannot have an answer, but even I know some people do. Oh, I want to go to my dad's firm. I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, you know, good for them. But there's so many people that just don't know what they want to do. And uh, also, you know, people come to jitsu. Like, how do I do this? You know, so for people that that say, give me an answer or people that how do I do this? I think our methodology answers both methods. Mm. So people that go like, well, I don't know. They get like confidence because we help them to solve problems. And people like, give me the answer. Uh, with the meth methods, we actually teach them there's not actually very straight answers. Everything depends. But you can't teach them that in the beginning because that scares the fuck out of them, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so, well, it depends. Okay. You, you might get out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. sometimes, yeah, that's why, you know, you know, you sometimes you have to be just put yourself back and just let them work. And you, you know, you can't tell them that, you know, that would. I think it fits right now. You can't tell them that you're Buddha, you know, you just, okay, let's, let's go. Let's figure it out. I understand you. And let's, you know, 
and you make them kind of star of the show. And uh, so, and because the point is kind of to make people less dependent of you. Mm. And the more you do them less dependent, they, they, the more they actually they want to be with you. That's the dichotomy. Because if you control, control, control everything, and you won't want them to leave, they mostly end up leaving. I've done those mistakes, and I yeah, uh, still I've a, done those lately too. Yeah, it's still a hard thing to do because kind of you want to control, but you just let them go, uh, and then it's like, oh, they don't go actually. And I've many <laughs> recently. I actually, you know, I forgot to. Uh, somebody asked me something, and then blah blah blah, and I said. Oh, sorry, but I can do this, this, this. And I, I met them in halfway because something was off, you know. And then because I offered help, I want to do it because it was some mistake, whatever. And they said, no, 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 I do it myself. And because they, uh, because it's also psychology, if I would say maybe I don't want to do it, they would have a different reaction that they would force me to do it, you mm -hmm. know. But then I said, I will want to meet you halfway. They actually took the pressure of, no, 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 I do it myself. So you see, there's a there's a weird psychology. If you give in, you kind of sometimes get what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, but it's it's still I also have that uh, issue that uh, I would be I would have to be you know, let's say less controlling and not worrying about it too much. Uh, but I guess I have still the issues with uncertainty, and that's always been my problem. And uh, kind of like that's why I'm. I want to figure jitsu out because of I'm a I'm really really afraid or I don't like uncertainty, and uh, that's why you know structure it has to be this and that's it's certain you know and then certain gray area lives upon that but certain things I can really say they're certain you know mm -hmm. and uh, because that uncertainty drives me nuts because in a way my mind works that way I don't know because uh, I have something to hold on to then, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so so that's... Not just that's, going in with blind faith or yeah. blind hope. You're going in with hope, but it's a calculated understanding. Yeah, yeah so that's kind of seems to help me also to get on with my life in that sense, that certain control points I need, those trenches, to just go like, okay, I got here. Now there's a gray area, but I, I read to create certain trenches, and that seems like in Jiu-Jitsu have done the same. Mm. Awesome. You have been listening to the Defensive BJ podcast. If you want to know more about my work, please visit defensivebj.com. Have a nice day.